Hello there, and a very warm welcome to episode 19 of the Frantic Football Podcast on World Football Index. I'm Neil Sharath, and I'm delighted to welcome Rafael Adelukba to the podcast. How are you doing, Rafael? I'm doing, I'm doing good, Neil. Um, yeah. Uh, are you though? As a United man, <laughs> best of week. I can't wait to get into this uh, pod. We've got some uh, some good European football and, and world football in general to cover, so can't wait to get into it. Yeah, I mean, luckily for you, you're on a podcast which doesn't give too much focus to, you know, the big headlines, the big mainstream stuff, so we, we won't talk much about that. Uh, but we've also got uh, Alex Barker with you for the less mainstream stuff. How are you doing, Alex? Yeah, I'm doing very good. I'm sure Raphael is very happy. This will be... The, the best hour of his life not Why having to talk about Manchester United. But I will try and fit as many 7-0 puns into this podcast <laughs> as possible. Oh, I, I, trust me, I've got something special lined up. But, but we, we <laughs> hold on to that. We hold on to that. Uh, anyway, uh, apart, apart from that, we've actually got loads uh, from elsewhere to talk about. Uh, as ever, it's Monday, so we'll mostly only be reviewing the weekend's games. And there's been all sorts going on this weekend, let me tell you. Uh, 7-0 isn't even the biggest thing that's happened. There's a 13-0 we've got to talk about. There's, there's a team which walked off a pitch uh, mid-game, uh, well, not mid like during extra time in a knockout game, uh, and, and they didn't come back, they're gone. Uh, they returned to their city. So there's all sorts of drama going on there. We'll talk about that. Uh, we, 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 it, it's been a crazy weekend to say the least. So, yeah, without further ado, I suppose uh, we should get started. Alright, um, let, let's, let's get started. Let me start with uh, the team I was referencing there. So, uh, what I said that happened uh, in the Indian Super League. Uh, when when Ben and I were recording on Friday night, this match had kicked off. This was Bengaluru FC uh, against the Kerala Blasters uh, in what's effectively a semi-final. Uh, in, sorry, a quarter-final in the championship playoffs. I mean, there's only six teams who go through. Uh, top two directly go through the, to the semis and then third place sixth and fourth place fifth. So, the, so this was one of those uh, pre-semi-final matches, basically. Uh, ended nil-nil uh, at the end of 90 minutes, which means it's a, it's a one-off tie. Uh, these are one-off ties, so oh, which means we go straight uh, to uh, extra time. Uh, and then I think it's, it's something like the 97th minute uh, when uh, Kerala Blasters commit a foul uh, in, in a dangerous position. Uh, obviously, Bangalore FC got a free kick. Uh, and uh, Sunil Chetri, legend, absolute, uh, legendary Indian striker for those who don't know, uh, you know, a, a top, top scorer, arguably the best, certainly the best player to play for India who I have seen by far. It's not even close. So anyway, this is about about uh, 30, 35 yards from goal this free kick, right? So he places the ball down, uh, or rather the ball is placed down. Uh, the referee walks over to put uh, to put, put the spray around the ball, right? But Chetri says he he doesn't want uh, he doesn't want it. So what this means is, if if the referee if the referee puts the spray down, then Chetri will have to wait for the referee to walk over to the wall, put the spray down there, uh, and then he can take the free kick. And so you'll have to wait for the whistle. 
but by asking the referee to not put the spray down chedri can uh, kick on uh, he he can play on at any time he likes right so, so the referee is sent back he goes over still to just uh, make sure the ball is uh, the right distance away and there is mind you a kerala blasters player standing right in front of the ball to prevent chedri from uh, playing on so so, so the referee is going the keeper is busy setting up the ball there is a guy in front of the ball uh, chedri feigns to take it but but that player uh, makes a move to block it so he he doesn't kick it and then i don't know what happens but then the player in front uh maybe because he's he's made the move to block uh can't block he, he he's sort of stuck in that position now and he can't block the follow up attempt uh, and chedri takes the kick from again 35 yards keeper is busy setting up the wall uh, ball ends up in the net now as i've explained according to the rules of the game this was a perfectly legal move uh because the referee hadn't put down the spray he did not have to wait for the whistle but kerala blasters they are absolutely enraged by this the manager walks onto the pitch and he calls his players off off they go into the tunnel they're gone uh as we speak today they're still protesting the decision uh bangalore fc obviously they were awarded the win 1-0 uh, they are technically through to the semi final uh which they will be playing on wednesday but as we record uh the aiff the governing body is yet to take a decision on their protest and apparently will do so tomorrow now all indications again as i say are uh, that nothing will happen because it's perfectly legal but the as a consequence what may happen is that kerala blasters could face sanctions and the, the, you know these can range from fines to points deductions to even expulsion from the league for refusing to play a match i don't think expulsion will happen no one does but points deduction possible possible maybe fine very likely but yeah an absolutely crazy story there uh, to start of uh, what's been a crazy weekend this happened on friday as i said right after uh, ben and i finished recording the podcast so uh, yeah it was it was it was uh, i suppose uh, a sign of things to come uh, we we'll talk about that but first i want to go to the bundesliga which is looking like a pretty crazy league at the moment at, at both ends of the table on the top of course very well documented there's a dortmund and bayern level on points uh, and i think alex uh, alex tweeted something saying that he hasn't seen dortmund looking this uh, this secure or this solid in a while and and i agree with that so you know what i'll, I'll put it to you guys uh, how much faith do we have in this dortmund title challenge Oof. Uh, Rafael, do you want to go first? I can go first. Um, no, you can go first, Alex. You can go first. Okay, well, I'll say I'll say that um, I have the most faith I've had in any Dortmund side to win the Bundesliga since Bayern started winning it in twenty thirteen. Um, but I still ninety percent believe Bayern will go and win the Bundesliga. Ninety percent Bayern, fair, fair. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 yeah. They're way too strong. But what do you think, Rafael? Uh, yeah, let's have it in terms of. I think, I think, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to be honest with. You. It's hard. It's hard to back against Bayern Munich when you've seen what they've done in recent years, um, the squad they have and whatnot. But also mainly the experience. This Dortmund side is quite young. It, it it's quite young. You look at the likes of Jubelenim, of course, Karim Adeyemi, Gregor Kobel, Nico Schlotterbeck. Guys who have played in the Bundesliga for um other clubs in the past, but not to not to this level, not to this expectation where you get into the games against the likes of 
RB Leipzig, Union Berlin and, and Wolfsburg and Bayern, of course, and you have to win. And a win is, nothing but a win is acceptable when you're at home, for example. We'll see um what they do. Of course, they're still in the Champions League as well. So I think that could be a possible factor as well. But yeah, I'm still backing Bayern Munich. Yeah, I think Raphael's put it quite eloquently there, like in their squad. They've got like, I think you said like seven young players there and they've got no old players. Who have Michael Rice? We'll let okay. one that cook. We'll let that one cook. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Raphael's finally got it. <laughs> he, he, got, he got me there, to be honest. I, I co- that completely went over my head until just yeah, then. That went over my head too, yeah. Right. Ah, I see now. Fair play, fair play, fair play. That's that's one for you. We'll be keeping back going. to you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, I I think I'll just quickly say five thirty eight give Bayern an eighty one percent chance, and Dortmund sixteen percent chance. So a little bit more optimistic than you guys. But I I think I yeah I completely agree with what you guys say that. But I should I would like to add from a tactical point of view, you know I was skeptical of Terzic at the start of the season, based on his previous tenure and also based on his work at the start of the season. I think sometimes Dortmund, you know, from a tactical point of view, they kept doing the same stuff over and over again, even in games that didn't work. So basically, uh, if we focus on their in-possession structure, it's, you can basically describe it overall as a sort of 3-1-5-1. So they start obviously usually with 4-2-3-1. And then what you get is you get the deepest midfielder, who's usually uh, Emre Chan. He'll drop between the centre-backs to get the back three. Uh, the full-backs push up. Uh, so that's obviously starting in the 4-2-3 on the two midfielder. So the other one uh, is left as a sort of a lone six, if you will. Uh, and then uh, with with uh, the the striker up top, obviously, and a line of five behind him with uh, the, the three behind him and the two fullbacks pushing up. Now, the, even in games uh, against big sides, sometimes you, you'd see this, which is a, a, you know, a pretty top-heavy approach. Uh, and, and even at times when it didn't work, this is all you got. But... After the turn of the year, I started to see him making uh, tweaks both in games and between games. So sometimes, like I think it was one of the maybe it was against Leipzig, or it, it was against the top side basically, where he switched to a to a sort of more of a three two five. So so he started with a, a more four three three. So he had Chan, Özcan, and Bellingham, uh, and then one of them drops between the center backs. But but you've left you, you've got two left in midfield. So obviously that you know that makes the team more secure uh, against transitions and all, all that sort of stuff. So I was skeptical of that, but I think on that front he has improved. And you know the, I mean obviously Nagelsmann is 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 a, is a great is a great tactician. But you know there, there there have been some questions about maybe him overdoing things sometimes. So I I think I think that's an interesting uh, interesting aspect to to focus on as well. But yeah, you know, as you guys say, overall, I, I think I think everyone agrees that it's very much uh, still in Bayern's hands. But we do have a huge, huge game coming up. We have Der Klassiker uh, on the 1st of April. So it's about a month away. But I think, yeah, you know, it is not, not, not a particularly great insight. But, you know, that could be the biggest game in the title race. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, I also wanted to talk about the Bundesliga. This is all sorts going on at the bottom of the table too. Uh, Schalke took on Bochum uh, this weekend. They visited they visited them with uh, uh, Thomas Rice going to his uh, former employers, and and they won two nil. And what that did, uh, because Stuttgart lost to Bayern uh, and Hoffenheim lost to Mainz, uh, was that done? Uh, what that's done is that the bottom four are all level on points. 
So it's only goal difference uh, between last place Bochum uh, and uh, who is it? It's Stuttgart, who are outside the relegation zone. So not even the playoff spots. So there's obviously three spots uh, to not be in the Bundesliga, uh, two direct relegation zone, uh, and one is the playoff spot. And I mean, you know, and, and oh, I should also say Hertha, 14th, are only a point above these four. So we have a really exciting five-team relegation battle going on there. Uh, and, and also, down the Zweite Bundesliga, there was a big result this weekend uh, because uh, Heidenheim beat uh, league leaders uh, Darmstadt. Uh, so what that's done, uh, obviously top three is promotion there, two direct uh, and one playoff. What, what that's done is there's three points between the top three. So Stuttgart are top on 49 points, Hamburg 48 and Heidenheim 46. So th- there's a real battle there as well because you don't obviously you don't want to be in the playoff spot. Uh, because then you have to take on a Bundesliga side to get in. So, uh, you know, at both ends of the Bundesliga, uh, the top of the third Bundesliga, and we've talked we've talked about the bottom quite a bit. <laughs> That's crazy as well. So, overall in Germany, uh, in, the, in the men's leagues, uh, some really exciting stuff. And indeed in the women's leagues too, there was uh, an, an interesting result this weekend because uh, Wolfsburg lost. Uh, it was, I think, their, their, first lost, uh, their first loss of the season after 12 wins from 12. So they lost their perfect record, uh, and Bayern there are now just two points uh, behind them. So uh, we've got something for us there too. And at the bottom of the front Bundesliga, uh, it's three points uh, between four teams. Uh, Turbin Potsdam are gone already. Uh, they've lost twelve of thirteen and haven't won. <laughs> so, so they're basically out. But above them, where the Bremen are on ten points in the relegation zone. If you look up to uh, eighth place, Meppen, or even maybe seventh place, Essen, there's just a four point gap there. So we have uh, an exciting relegation battle to look forward to uh, there as well. So yeah, I mean, just fun, fun times in German football. Uh, that, I think that's the main takeover. So obviously we'll be keeping an eye. Uh, and in fact, Alex has got something for us uh, in, in terms of a player as well. Haven't you, Alex? I have indeed. I've got uh, Hielemi Fringpong. I wanted to quickly shout out his game at the weekend, or third of the game. Bayer Leverkusen took on Hertha Berlin. Um, and... Uh, Frimpong started the game at right wing back as he tends to do um, but it's more like a right winger uh, 12 minutes in he's uh, underlapped uh, Moussa Diaby or overlapped sorry Moussa Diaby um, and then cut the ball back for a goal uh, from Sardar's moon uh, Leverkusen 1-0 up 5 minutes later uh, about 10 minutes later sorry Frimpong is on the end this time of a cutback from Musa Diaby, so he scores and makes it 2-0 to Bayer Leverkusen. And then 10 minutes after that, he goes off injured. He had a blistering 30 minutes, and hopefully he's not out for too long because he's now got 11 goals and assists in the Bundesliga from right wing back, slash right wing. Uh, ridiculous season for him, and you can see why Man United are interested. Yep, they're, they're absolutely cooking down uh, uh, Leverkusen right wing. Um, you know, I think that was a missed opportunity. Has he not got, got either seven goals or seven assists? Surely he must have one of the two. Let's have a look. Uh, I think he might have a little Ooh, more. He's got six fair. goals, five assists in the league. Ah, there uh, we go. A shame. shame. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, let's let's move on. Let's pop by in the Netherlands. Uh, we you know we've talked a lot about the Eredivisie title race. Uh, bit of bit of drama this weekend, not as much as usual. But uh, Feyenoord needed a late winner against uh, ten man Groningen uh, to maintain their three point lead at the top. 
uh, you know, I was getting the wings. Uh, I expressed where I said, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's as you would effectively. Uh, but I, I, we've got something from the Eerste Divisie, the second tier. The joint biggest ever league win in the Netherlands uh, since, since professional football was introduced there, basically. Uh, Peg Zwolle, league leaders, uh, relegated from the Eredivisie last, uh, last season. A match by Dick Schroeder, uh, brother of uh, Alfred, who's of course recently sacked from Ajax, uh, were hosting, the, by mind you, they're the league leaders, but they'd lost their last two league games. And, and they were hosting uh, outside then Bosch, third from bottom. Uh, and then, and then, and then, and then I, I mean, what can I say? If, if you think 7 nil was crazy, it was 13 nil. And it was, it was, it was almost an even split. It was 7 nil by half time. And six nil uh, in the second half, so the, so they did not let up. It was it's it absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. I think the scoreline score says it all. Uh, an utterly horrific day uh, for Den Bosch goalkeeper Conrad uh, Sicking. Faced fifteen shots on target, uh, letting thirteen, and then uh, you know if you look at the highlights, a couple of real howlers there, and and that's resulted in him. Are getting from what I hear the lowest ever rating in in Fortmob's history of zero point four. So yeah, I mean yeah, like, shame it's not zero point seven. Uh, but yeah, close enough. And among the uh, Pegsola attackers, an absolute field of course. A uh, Greek striker uh, Apostolos Velios getting four uh, off the bench. Uh, Lenat uh, T. Uh, Lenat Ty, sorry, for getting a hat trick and an assist. Uh, and then there was, there was a brace in there uh, and five other goal scores. So, great day for them. They are now 11 points clear of the playoff spot. They're first uh, with 11 matches left. So, it looks like they will be bouncing straight back up to the Eredivisie. Good news for Den Bosch uh, is that uh, relegation, uh, uh, promotion relegation basically between the Eerste Divisie and the Tweede Divisie, second and third tiers in the Netherlands, uh, has been suspended since the pandemic and it's only getting back underway next season. So even though the third from bottom was by far the worst goal difference in the league now, uh, they, they don't have to worry about going down uh, at least this season. So yeah, but uh, absolute mad result out there. Uh, quickly, let's, let's, let's just jump over to uh, Belgium. Uh, big result was Oostende beating Club Brugge 3-0. Uh, so Scott Parker's troubles there are not showing any signs of letting up anytime soon. Oostende, mind you, uh, in the relegation zone, started second from bottom. Uh, and they're still, they're still in there, three points from safety now. Uh, huge result for them, but utterly disastrous for club who are still, uh, still holding on to the top four spot somehow. Uh, but, I mean, surely they can't do it for much longer. Uh, Hent uh, managed to beat Anlecht, so they're within a point of club. Uh, and Standard Liège beat Vestelo, so they are also within a point of club. So unless they get their act together now, they're, they're, they're at serious risk of falling out of the championship playoff spots. Uh, and we've got six matches to go, so it's about time to get their act together for them. Uh, and elsewhere, uh, we also had a, a sort of a pre-play of the cup final, if you will. Basically, the two contestants uh, after the semi-finals in midweek uh, have been decided, and they went at it in the league in the weekend. Royal Antwerp, of course, uh, in third place against Mechelen, and they delivered a real statement victory, five nil it was, uh, and three by half time. Uh, so a really, really strong performance from them and, and ominous ahead of that cup final, which I believe might be Mechelen's first. I'll have to check that. But uh, anyway, Mechelen are basically not a side you often see in cup finals. Uh, certainly not in in, uh, in, the, in the recent years anyway. Uh, 
So uh, a, a, a big big result there for Royal Antwerp. Uh, and let's let's quickly let's let's jump over as well. Let's go to Spain, uh, where Alex has got something um, another big result for us. A total of seven goals in this game, uh, but not seven nil sadly. It was six one Atletico Madrid uh, against Sevilla at the weekend. Uh, yeah, I wanted to quickly shout out the result because you know Sevilla still very much in danger of relegation. Um, under Horst and Pauli and Atletico, they looked rampant this game. Uh, but I do think that the scoreline was distorted a little bit by really naive defending from Sevilla. Under San Pauli, you know, we saw this at Marseille and other teams he's been at. Gasper, very aggressive press in a 3 4 3 system. And Atletico were just able to keep counter attacking and coming forward and just overwhelming the back three. Memphis Depay scored two brilliant goals in this game as well. And Antoine Griezmann with like some delicious, a delicious finish and a delicious assist for Alvaro Morata. Uh, if you're an Atletico fan, you would have loved this game. If you're a Sevilla fan, you would have hated this game. Um, yeah, very worrying result for any Sevilla fans. Also, a historic day because. Uh... Diego Simeone, of course, surpassed uh, the record to become the manager with the most appearances in charge of uh, Atletico. 613 uh, matches now for him. Uh, and and that, that goal for Griezmann, by the way, was his 150th for Atletico. So he is third in the top scorers list. And, and, and both of those records uh, were previously held by Luis Aragones. So he, now he's no longer the manager with the most uh, uh, appearances in charge of the club. He still does have the most goals, though. So, yeah. Uh, a, a good day for them, as you say. Uh, let's 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 go over. Where shall we head next? Uh, a, a, a quick quick mention. Uh, we spoke about Francesco Faioli moving on from Alanya Sport. Uh, they were playing their first match. Uh, after his departure, uh, and, and they beat Istanbul Basakshe. So a good result for them. And you know, I I I managed to catch some of that. Uh, I still saw some some of the signs of that intricate passing play. Uh, and 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 all the hallmarks really of a Faioli team. So. Even though he's gone, you can, you, can, you can still see his imprints on the side. And, and, that, and that's, of course, a positive thing to see. Uh, elsewhere, in Serbia, we had the eternal derby, of course, we spoke of on Friday. Uh, that ended in Krivena-Shvesta's favour. So, they have now extended their lead at the top of the table to 16 points. Uh, so, very much running away with the title there. Uh, and Partizan Belgrade are now only uh, level on points. Uh, in, in second, so they're at risk of losing that that spot as well, of course. Uh, the league will uh, split uh, into the championship and relegation playoffs uh, in a few weeks, maybe a month. Uh, but yeah, Kruvan uh, uh, let's talk about running away with the title there. Let's see somewhere where people are not running away with the title. Ah, Bulgaria. Ludo uh, have, I think, an 11-season uh, consecutive title-winning streak. So one, of the, one of the best in Europe, if not the best. Uh, but but they lost uh, to a side third from bottom, I think. Uh, I, I fear I'm not going to say their name too well, but uh, they're called Pirin Blagojevgrad. Uh, and that leaves Ludo Goretz four points behind the league leaders, uh, Siskas Sofia. I should say, this is not, this, I mean, they are, they claim to be the successors of the Siskas Sofia, everyone knows, but officially they're called PFC Siskas Sofia. Because there was a sort of a split uh, after some some financial troubles at the club in I think twenty sixteen. So so we've got Siska Sofia first, and we've we've got Siska nineteen forty eight third, and both of these sides claim to be the successors uh, of Siska Sofia, uh, and they will be playing next Sunday, 
So it's, it's an important match in the title race as well. And of course, a real rivalry there. So that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting development in Bulgaria. Uh, so we'll be monitoring that, of course, because Ludo Goretz uh, losing their streak would be absolutely huge, but uh, still a long way to go for that. Uh, but yeah, a, a, a big result there because they've dropped further behind. Uh, elsewhere, uh, let's, let's go over to France, where there was also a, a record broken, uh, most like Simeon Good and, and Atleti. And this time it was uh, Kylian Mbappe responsible. What did he do, Rafael? Uh, yeah, as you said, uh, Kylian Mbappe is now the Paris Saint-Germain all-time top goal scorer with 201 goals, um, surpassing Edison Cavani on Saturday in a, against Nantes. Uh, Edison Cavani had 200 goals. Um, what more can be said about Kylian Mbappe? Like, there's, there's not much that can be said about how good this guy is. He's he's the physical embodiment of generational. Every every time he steps onto a football pitch, you just expect him to do something of the spectacular, and he usually does. And in his four, five years, five, six years, um, I think he signed for Paris Saint-Germain in 2018. So in the five years he's been there, five seasons he's been there, to notch up 201 goals this quickly at the age of 24, is ridiculous. I think the I think the interesting question now is how much can he get? Like how far can he push the record to the point of unbreakable? Um, whether he'll want to do that, whether he has his heart set on leaving Paris Saint Germain and, and and going to uh, Real Madrid or going to the Premier League in the next year or so, we'll see. But his PSG contract runs out in 2024. He's got an extension to extend it on to 2025, but that extension is on his side. So let's say he does stay on to Paris and let's say he does stay in France until 2024. You're talking another season and a half. Uh, he plays around 50 games a season. There is a possible chance Kylian Mbappe scores another 50, 60, possibly even 70 goals from now to the end of his contract. And then you're starting to look at a record um, that is near on unbreakable. Um, but yeah, Kylian Mbappe, wonderful player, um, wonderful footballer. And he's he's just shown once again why he is possibly the best player on this planet for the next 10, 15 years. Did you know, since the restart of Liga, since the World Cup, Kylian Mbappe has seven goal involvements? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I, I actually did I'm not, not know that. that. I'm not making it up. That, that's, that's, a, that's a really interesting start. You know, that's <laughs> really, a really interesting really start. Uh, anyway, um, let's let's move on. Let's 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 really go over to Portugal as well. Then uh, Alex has got something for us uh, on a, on a player who's got his eye. So go on then, Alex. Yeah, Portugal won seven 0 No, they didn't. Won three one against Chavez here. Uh, and the the goal scorer, the first goal scorer, was someone I didn't realize was playing over there. Was Danny Loder. Uh, and a 22-year-old Englishman, ball in Reading, who's smashing it for Portugal. Uh, well, I say smashing, that's a bit presumptuous. He scored, I think, his first goal here. Uh, but it was a very, very well-hit finish from sort of the edge of the box. And, you know, he, he does seem to have quite a good pedigree. I was reading a little bit into, into his background before we came on the podcast. That I think he was scoring for Reading before he moved in 2020. He's had to fight his way into the Porto team. But, yeah. Keep an eye out because it's always fun when an Englishman goes abroad and uh, succeeds. So hopefully we'll see a bit more from Danny Loder. Fun fact, I, I I knew about this guy because 
I I was playing FM in I think 2020 or 2021, and I I I started somewhere else. I found myself in charge of Stoke, and this guy was there, and I used him as a sort of uh, sort of a second striker. I think and he was good. I think he got something like 20 goals in the championship solely of making runs in behind. So yeah, uh, that's how I know this guy. But uh, did you know he has scored unfortunately six goals for Porto, not seven in his career. So oh, was it? Has, he, have, he, he he been for the, have the rest been for the youth team, or was it just yeah, been across the B his... team? Right, um, gotcha. Yeah, but he'll, he'll get the seven soon enough. Let's not worry. Uh, anyway, let's go on then. Let's quickly check to our seventh out. topic. <laughs> yeah, elsewhere, uh, o- over uh, in in the United States of America, because MLS season getting started. Uh, LFC were not in action last weekend. Uh, we mentioned El Trafico was postponed, but they were back. The title holders were back, uh, and they beat Portland to start their title defense. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to St. Louis City, uh, who of course won uh, last week, as we mentioned, uh, in in their MLS debut. They're in, of course an expansion side. Uh, they were at home for the first time uh, this weekend, and uh, you know you, you should definitely check out the scenes from from the stadium uh, pre-match. Those I think of of before covering the full stadium, uh, absolutely packed out, full capacity, and, and it was great to see, great to see the, uh, the, the, the amount of support uh, they've got. Uh, let's also pop by down in Chile. Uh, you know, I've spoken about Magallanes a fair bit, uh, and I just want to quickly say they were up against Colo Colo. Uh, they, they did lose 2 0, but uh, it's a pretty significant match anyway. Uh, first league match between these two in the 21st century, of course, since uh, Magallanes is promotion you know they were down in the lower tiers for over 30 years uh, and it's a big deal because historically uh, back in the 1930s these two were huge rivals they were the biggest in chile and in fact magallanes's foundation uh, uh sorry colo colo's foundation uh, stems from magallanes because a, a, a group of breakaway players uh, formed colo colo after uh, being dissatisfied with uh, the way magallanes was being run back in the 1930s that is so uh, two, two clubs with interlinked histories uh, and uh, you know, a great rivalry back in the day, but uh, much, much more uh, friendly now uh, and, and a big match in Chile that. So, yeah, th- th- I think I think that's, uh, that's, that's what we've got from there. Of course, we do have to address the elephant in the room, uh, yeah, the Premier League. So, so, we'll get on to that now. Yeah, so it was a busy week uh, in England as ever. This was a huge, huge result, which we all know about. Before that, you know, I think this has taken some attention of the big match on Saturday because City beat Newcastle and then uh, Arsenal were hosting Bournemouth. Conceded within nine seconds, uh, found themselves two down in the second half, uh, and then started a, a comeback, which uh, was a winner. Was it after in the seventh minute of stoppage time? Please tell me it was in the seventh minute of stoppage time. Yeah, uh, so, so it was. It was Bournemouth scored in the first ten seconds, and then Arsenal scored in the last ten seconds. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, absolutely huge. But wait, I'm, I'm going to interrupt myself here because I, we have to pause to ask Rafael a very important question. Uh, Rafael, if you don't mind, can you tell us what the time is right now? Uh, it is currently 7 o'clock. Oh, that's yeah. interesting, isn't it? 
Listen, please, please, please appreciate how Neil is in another country and has used his brain to figure out what the time difference would be just to get that joke. You can't even be mad about that, Rafael. That's amazing. You really, you, you really timed this joke, didn't you? You're really building up the, the, the this joke, weren't you? Neil, let's calm down. I think his angle level's gone up to seven. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring it back down to nil yeah let's do that let's do that uh, uh, yeah anyway uh, big, big win for Arsenal then yeah but let, let, let's talk about 7 nil then do, do you want to do that Rafael? um <laughs> uh, yeah do, do you want to do you want to get into it or uh, no just quickly uh, any thoughts okay you know we, we well, want to think, just say it really well, clearly I mean, I think I think the jokes will be rolling itself this episode. I think any listener of this uh, episode uh, will, will will know what the the impact of the seven 0 has been on on me as a United fan. But on the game, I actually think we played pretty well in the first half. I think we created some good chances. Um, I think, think Max Rashford had cleared of the line as well by Liverpool, wasn't there? And and you guys had a goal so, yeah. ruled out the the offside from yeah, free kick. So Casemiro scored. Casemiro scored a header. Um, but it was ruled off offside. Um, quite a few players were offside in that um goal. Uh, but yeah, United had the ball in the back of it, as as you just said. Um, and of course we created some good chances. But one thing Manchester United um were doing were they were pressing really high, like leaving quite a few quite quite a lot of space in behind um their midfield, and you could see Liverpool. You know, being a little bit more direct in the build of getting the ball to to the likes of Andy Robertson and um Trent Alexander and literally just playing um slip balls into the forwards and you saw that in their first goal which Cody Hackball scored it was literally just uh, a lofted ball from Allison from goal kick to Andy Robertson Andy Robertson picks it up Fred who's deputising for Diego Delo who's out position in 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 because of the way Manchester United were pressing. Cody Hackball um, exploited Fred's um, lack uh, of position or his lack of awareness. And and it was a really nice finish from him, a really nice touch to take it past Varane and, and of course, uh, curl it, finesse it into the bottom corner against David De Gea. Um, in terms of the second half, I think everyone who, who who watched the game or even just watched the highlights would have seen Manchester United capitulated. As soon as, as, soon as uh, Liverpool scored the second, um, I, I think it was two minutes into the second half, I think that was a clear um, um, indication of Liverpool's intention. Yeah, the, the 47th minute, of course, yeah, as uh, Neil kindly reminds us. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the Liverpool were ruthless in the night. Um, so some of the goals they were scoring were comedic from Manchester United point of view. Like I think it was the, the third one, or the the one um the one Cody Hackle uh scored I think yeah, it was the third one yeah where where Casemiro feels to clear it in in the in midfield it bump it, it, it bubbles up into the box uh, Luke Shaw feels to clear it and it literally just it literally just bounces it literally just falls to a Liverpool attack and they, and they score um and the same could go for the Firmino goal. The Salah goal, they were Liverpool's goals were ruthless, but it was really handed on a plate for Manchester United's um, lackadaisical defending. Um, as for the result, Manchester United are third. They're, I believe, um, seven points clear of 
uh, and uh, Ternara Benevento, which ended uh, 2-2. Uh, although the, the score number a little different, but same margin. So so fair enough. Uh, he 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 got well yeah, and then that's about it, isn't it? Genoa Cosenza later uh, tonight. So we don't know, but quite possible that he'll get seven wrong. So well done, Ben. Uh, we might make this team, might not make this team. Uh, Serie B ever the the unpredictable league. So I can't can't really blame him for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, that that's what we've got for matches. We do have. Uh, a brief bit of news. Uh, first is, is, a, is a very recent development. Uh, we've got some news from Paris uh, about Neymar. Uh, Rafael, got some news on that. Yeah, so um, at the time of us recording this uh, podcast, this episode, uh, Neymar's been ruled out for the rest of the season with uh, ankle ligament surgery. So he will um, he'll miss the rest of the season. He'll miss the Bayern Munich tie, obviously which they play on Wednesday. So that will, that could be crucial. Um, and of course, in the league, it's you'd expect uh, PSG to go on and win it, but missing someone of Neymar's quality will put a lot of heavy reliance on um, Mbappe and, and Messi to produce and to produce on a consistent basis. So I think it's just important to, to note that Neymar will be out for the rest of the season. Yep. Uh, not, not, not been a good few years for him, has it? Uh, is it has it been seven seasons at PSG? Has it? Um, he joined in twenty eighteen. Ah, it's not been, has it? Um, no. he joined in twenty eighteen. So, so I think, quite. yeah, Close I think enough. it's been like five, five, six seasons. Yeah, yeah five seasons, five seasons. Yep. Uh, anyway, but I see um, what you're trying to. But if he if he's if he if he is out, in fairness, it is quite a serious point. If Neymar is out now until the rest of the season. Then we probably won't see him play for another seven months. Yeah, but you know, summer break and that. Yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, I do. I possibly save the best for last. Uh, I do have something from Ireland for you, because season's recently got underway. Uh, a, a, a bit of a serious note. League of the League of Ireland. I've been hearing really good stuff. Uh, from there actually, because the attendance are looking really good. Uh, the start of this season. So that's always great to hear, you know, people supporting their local teams and that. But I've got some absolutely brilliant stuff from, from the second day, the first division, what they got. Uh, and this is a story developed over the week, but, you know, we even better on the weekend. So it starts with Waterford FC uh, putting out a statement uh, saying, we are disappointed to have discovered the, and this is in quotes, yeah, opposition analyst of a certain club hiding filming our training session today as we prepare for tomorrow night's game. Uh, needless to say, he was removed from, and the incident will be reported to the FAI. <laughs> they, they brought that tweet. And in, in, in reply to that tweet, a Longford uh, town put out, a re- put out a reply saying, whoever done it wasn't as clever as us. <laughs> I'll give that. I'll, I'll link that uh, in, in the resource thread. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, I think that was hilarious. I think, yeah, that's the end of it. Uh, good stuff. Of course, they ended up only drawing. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that this uh, opposition analyst was from their next opponents, uh, who were, uh, who were they? They were uh, Gal, Gal- uh, I hope I'm saying that right. They were uh, Galway United, who are now the league leaders. So then the next day, the day of the match comes. Uh, and of course, the teams uh, announced their uh, starting lineups. Uh, Galway United, uh, on, on on their 
the 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 lineup announcement is a is a photo, right? So it's it's a list of all the players, and then you know, as usual, you have a photo of one of the players. What they've done is, uh, they they put uh, they photoshop something like some I I can't read this guy something like like spyglasses nitrogen goggles something like that. But it's it's actually it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, so that was that was so, so great, and they ended up winning one nil two. I should add. So I'm I'm not sure what's exactly come of their opposition analyst. Uh, but yes, it's a, a brilliant. The opposition analyst get man of the match. Did he get man of the match? <laughs> uh, I I I actually need to check that. But he certainly certainly that was yeah that was uh, brilliant <laughs> stuff. Uh, from you know, let me hold on, let me check that. Let me see what Google tells us if we put in uh, Galway United opposition analyst. Let's let, let's hope we get a result. Uh, other than of course the. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I I don't think. Yeah, I don't think we've got any recent updates. But yeah, uh, brilliant, brilliant development there. Uh, great stuff. Uh, so yeah, top class social media work. I I I hope they keep it up. I I, I hope the next who 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 are playing Waterford FC next? Let me take a look. Whoever they are, the balls in your court. Athlone Town, if I'm saying that right. Yeah. No, should should be interesting to see what they can come up with. But yeah, that, that that's what we've got today on this Monday. It's the end of an episode where we uh, discussed loads of games from the weekend, certainly more than seven. Uh, and uh, in midweek, I have well, at least seven tournaments you should watch out for. We've got all the UEFA competitions, of course, uh, Champions League, Conference League, Europa League, all all those knockouts. Got the group stage of the CAF Champions League continuing. We've got the round of 16 of the CONCACAF Champions League. We've got Copa Libertadores final round qualifiers, Copa Sudamericana final round qualifiers. And we've got a few league matches mixed in there as well. So, looks like we have a really busy week in store for us again. Uh, some, some very interesting games uh, in there, uh, you know, as ever, even aside from the Champions League. Uh, we, we've, we've spoken about these ties before when the draw was made uh, in the Europa and Conference League. Uh, and yeah, knockouts elsewhere. But, uh, Final qualifiers, which uh, yeah, Libertadores we spoke about on Friday. So lots of stuff to look forward to, basically. Uh, and we will be recapping all that on Friday on Patreon. So do join us if you can. Uh, but but either way, thank you very much for listening. Uh, th- thanks to Alex uh, and to Rafael for uh, uh, for you know for sustaining all those all those seven nil shouts. Uh, we will be back in seven days uh, on the free feed. Uh, see you then. Goodbye. <laughs>